10. Sold out like a bad habit, we gon' do it again. Ready or not, we're gonna tie up some ends. Go tell the 36, try to grab all the friends. We're back like we never left. On track like a treble clef. Skip a beat on the seventh rest. Bring feast, we don't pass them over. We got the first fruits, no way to show us. This yoke is easy, this burns light. Even with a loud mouth trying to eat at the mic. Even if we down south, the humidity spike. Bales torn in two, so we gon' be alright. It's all grace till the half goes off. Heretics better run till the top blows off. Got them all stood still like a jaw full of Botox. Time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop. Don't stop, they're in need of it though. Through grace, by faith, they could easily grow. New wave, new age, new way to see bro. Now, one truth, life, one way to his throne. Wednesday, October 18th, 2023. This is Messiah Matters number 447. Fall producer credits are now available. My name is Caleb Hegg. And I'm Rob Vanoff, the guy with the hair. That's right. <laughs> that is right. Okay. So, have you seen our new producer credit, Rob? I don't think you have because I just put it No, in. no. I got to check it out. Go take a look. You okay. can find it. So I'll, I'll tell you, how, let me tell you how to find it so that other people can find it too. You go to Messiah Matters. Oops, wrong website. Go to messiahmatters.com. Okay. And then what you do is you go up to store and down to merch. Once you get to that page, just scroll to the very bottom of the page. Bottom three. There it is. Love it. Yeah. Store. Oops. Store merch. I'm almost there. It's all good. I thought I anyway. could get there from. I went to the YouTube page thinking there was a link to Messiah Matters. There should I be. Didn't see it? But there should anyway, be. Let me scroll down. There will be. So at some point when I. Oh get man, my stuff that's together. awesome. I love it. A little play on the uh, on the political climate of today. Did I just close my? I did. Oh guys, what's going on here? All right. Yes, uh, thank you to Mike, who is in the chat room for doing our art, and you can uh, see the, <clears throat> sorry, you can see the uh, URL there in the uh, chat. Okay, okay, let's go, let's go. How's it going, man? What are you up to? It's going well. <laughs> um, are you, you getting pumped for ETS and SBL? Let me, okay, we got to explain because our first our first uh, topic is going to be this. For those who don't know, 
actually, uh, while we do, before we do this, let's let's get this out of the way. Chegg at ChegggTorahResource.com, C-H-E-G-G at ChegggTorahResource.com if you want to give us a call. Messiah Matters wants to hear from you. Leave us a comment, a question or two. Call 253-465-7205. We have already mentioned messiahmatters.com. Go there to catch old shows and get merch, all that kind of stuff. Support the show. Uh, Torresource.com. That's who produces this show. You can go to Torah Resource and find all sorts of stuff. Um, and right now we have the new three-year reading cycle. We have the new one-year reading cycle up on Torah Resource homepage. First thing right underneath the main banner. Everybody says they can't find it. I don't know why. It's right there. And then uh, I've got I've I've probably gotten twenty emails. I can't find the new reading schedule. It's right on the homepage under the uh, under the main banner. Uh, and then uh, we should have our festival schedule up uh, shortly as well for twenty twenty four. Yeah. And last but definitely not least, don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. I know it sounds weird, but it really does help us. If you're already subscribed, go ahead and give this video a like. That helps us as well. Okay. ETS and SBL. For those who don't know, Rob and I, every single year, along with the staff at resource.com go to the Evangelical Theological Society's annual meeting. And right after that, there is a day uh, break, and then uh, it picks up with the Society of Biblical Literature. And the Society of Biblical Literature has their annual meeting in the same place every year. It rotates every year, so it's not in the same place. Um, this year, we're going to be in San Antonio. And uh, been to San Antonio before for the ETS and SBL. Love it. Uh, the Riverwalk is beautiful. The Alamo is interesting. And the convention center is amazing. It's huge. It is absolutely ginormous. Beyond that, I found out that there is an Autos affiliate, so I'll be get, able to roll jiu-jitsu. I don't know how you are with this sort of thing, Caleb. I think you're much better than I am. It takes me like a few days just to start feeling like I internalized like the map of like how to get how to get from the hotel room to the various places and back again like that. What, you know, normally if we're driving, I'm really good at like, okay, I know that's North. So I'm going to take, I'm going to go left and I'm going to start going North and I'm going to go East. And, you know, I kind of, I'm pretty good at that sort of thing, navigating a map, but some of these buildings, they're not real straight grid, right? It's like all sorts of like modern or, you know, architecture right. that has curves and, changes in directions and it's like ah. you're right i am not like that <laughs> i pretty much have the lay of the land by the time the first day by the time we have gone to sleep the first day uh you know what's interesting rob is that uh, this year will be the year where i am as old as you were the first time that we went together to the ets and sbl i'll let if you my I'll, memory serves me i'll let correctly. you sink that one in first go ahead ben was in the oven when we, when I, at my first SBL, you'd been to several before I ever went, it was San Francisco. Lacacia was down there. And I remember the three of us going and getting a bite to eat. And, uh, I I'm pretty sure Ben was in the oven. Am I? Ben was not in the oven. You're thinking of Kaylee. I think you're thinking Kaylee. This Actually, was, no. this would have been 2011. Uh, 2011 born Ben was born in 2012. And yes, yeah. we we didn't get pregnant. No, he he was in October. We oh, wouldn't okay, have been pregnant okay, yet. okay. So he wasn't in the oven, but you were just married, recently married, married, maybe. right? That's what yes. it was. That's yes. what it was. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, Lacasha came with us, 2011. Yeah, that's San, right. So that was my first. Yes, that's right. Uh, my first SBL was San Francisco. Funny, we haven't been back since. Oh, I wonder heavens. why. I yeah, think you heavens. know, even though the SBL has a kind of a obviously a liberal secular element, um, they are recognizing problem cities, right? They don't like, want... I, I, don't, I, don't see, I don't see SBL going back to San Fran. I don't see SBL going back to Baltimore or Atlanta. I mean, or Chicago. Like these are places we've been in the last 10 years. They don't want their scholars to get stabbed. <laughs> That's all there is to it. All right. So our first question, hang on, let's check the chat room real quick. Hi, everybody. Good to see y'all. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much all I'm going to say about that. It looks like uh, the, the conversations have not ramped up yet in the chat room. That's totally fine. Here we go. So, but, uh, but back to the point. I think you were asking. I'm, I, this year, I'm not giving a paper. I submitted two proposals. Rejected. Denied. Rejected. That's okay. <laughs> and you, you know, know what? Every once in a while, you have to be humbled, man. 
Every once in a while, now, you have to come I'm back down about to it. I, at first, that <laughs> hurt. My feelings were hurt. Yeah. You know, I mean, because it's like I get amped up and then it's like, whew, all of a sudden I'm like, I bet wow, Jenny's happy. Thank you, God. I bet Jenny's happy. <laughs> yeah. Because Caleb knows, you know, I, I have this like stress out like curve. I, I would like to think that I've matured a little bit and through the practice, I've dampened it slightly. <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to lie, you know, I, I do, I have a, a little bit of anxiety speaking in front of people, you know, a little? I feel nervous about it. I, I'll tell you, Rob, you, when you go, uh, when you're about to give a paper, it's like me right before I uh, roll in a competition. It's, uh... <laughs> but, you know, once I'm up there, I feel, I don't feel like I am conveying the, and I think I train, you know, there's a, flip that switches or a switch that flips Ruth's, or whatever. Ruth says she wants to hear your paper. So maybe we'll have Rob uh, uh, write the papers and then uh, and then present them for the Torah resource crowd. Okay, let's jump into this. Enough chit-chat. We've been chit-chatting for 10 minutes. Good gracious. These people want to hear some content. They don't want to hear about our personal lives. Here we go. Lewis, I think. Lewis, is it Lewis? Anyway, wrote in. I was wondering when your dad, Rob, and yourself go to those conferences and you guys are having table talk with major theologians, what does that look like as it relates to theology and the different views? I've been following you guys for some time now, and when you take the New Testament and read Paul in light of the rest of the Bible, not interpreting Paul with Paul, but books such as Deuteronomy and Isaiah 56 through 66, there is not much wiggle room when you guys use books such as those as an anchor to allow the Bible to flow as one complete story. I was just wondering what the responses be, uh, what the responses are like. If uh, if it's too much to respond to, yeah, okay. So I think this is a good question. Well, I would right off the bat, I would say check out. Is it available like your interview with Heiser or um, Instone Brewer or? Uh, Averbeck. I mean, uh, Caleb's done some great interviews. Some of them I was in on. Um, other interviews we did on the Robin Caleb show like 10 years ago. So where we interviewed, for example, Brant Petrie or Averbeck. Chris We Tilling. did Averbeck together. So there, we, you can get a taste of a handful of those Yeah, uh, where there is more interaction. I, I, I'll just say quickly, my when I interviewed, like I went and interviewed Daniel Boyarin once, who's a, a Jewish uh, scholar. I'm more interested. I'm not in those situations. I'm not like, Hey, I have something you need from me. I, I'm not taking that attitude. Right. I'm taking, I've read a couple of your books. I have immense respect for your scholarship. It doesn't mean I agree everything, you know, but I, I'm wanting to probe and ask to better understand that where they're coming from. You know, that's so I'm not, I'm not setting up meetings with people in order to be confrontational. I'm wanting, I'm going very much as a learner saying, I want to ask questions because I want to understand better this, this specific topic. And if I was going to interview, let's say uh, Daniel Boyarin, I'm not going to ask him about some obscure Greek verb, like it, the middle voice that Paul uses, da, 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 da. Because I would ask something about rabbinic, you know, Talmud, you know, I, I, I think I did ask him about a certain uh, Hebrew verb used in the Talmud on a certain thing. So, so in other words, my questions would be in advance. Uh, my the selection process means there's a rationale. I'm talking to this person, not to just throw everything at them, but to pick their brain according to their own published works. You know, that's yeah. That's I mean, my approach. So so uh, I think that uh, one of the things that Lewis might be missing here, and maybe may, maybe others, is we're not going down to talk about Torah observance necessarily. I can think of maybe a handful of conversations where Torah observance by believers has has come up. When you go to a to, your when you dad's, go to, I have to say, your dad's really good at that. So there's times where we've been at lunch, right? And you know, and we'll have there'll be like a Christian scholar, you know, it's a PhD doctorate guy who comes and maybe one of his students, I know one in specific and like the student was from visiting from Korea and this might right. have even been in San Antonio and the guy orders, you know, pork sandwich for him and his student, you know, and so we're at the table there and it's your dad is, I, I can think of a handful of times where he's, he's good at being like, oh, so, so do you think 
or, you know, it'll come up. They'll say, right. oh, so you think it's okay to eat pork like the Bible, you know, done away. Like he's got a good way of, <laughs> kind you know, of there's, there's, getting there's, that uh, discussion. Not that he's, he's not coming with a condemning attitude. Right. So, yeah. th- but that's, but that's the thing is that I think that there, people certainly know, you know, we've had people say to us, I, uh, my dad and I sat down, this was in Atlanta, actually. Somebody sat down at the table with us and said, do you mind if I order a cheeseburger? Because they were afraid that we separate mil- milk and meat. So, I mean, there is a respect there. And this is one of the things that I'll say from, uh, let's pull back. Just looking at the ETS and SBL, especially the ETS, I'm thinking of the ETS here. You know, you have to find a, a sign a faith statement to be part of the ETS. Now you can go and observe and not be part of the ETS, but to be part of the ETS, you have to find a, a sign a faith statement. For me, uh, you're going with people from all different denominations, all different viewpoints, all different beliefs, whatever. And, you're all saying we agree on these core things. We will worship together. We will study together. We'll sharpen each other. But we don't necessarily agree on anything else except for these core beliefs. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. So that's the the outside, the broad view. When you, when you focus in, all of these uh, scholars, for the most part, have a specialty. So th- they're studying something specific. You know, when Dr. Flint was alive, we didn't go to Dr. Flint and say, hey, what do you think about Torah observant for Christians? He would have been like, uh, what? You know, he's a Dead sea, he was a Dead Sea Scroll guy. So the questions come about the Dead Sea Scrolls. What about Psalm 22? Is it he, they pierce my hands and my feet or is it like a lion? Those kind of questions and those kind of conversations. You're not... You're, you're asking about a person's field of study because that's what they're good at. And you're trying to understand the in-depth views that they would have on specific things in their field of study. I'm not going to go to an archaeologist and start talking about Pauline studies. You know, at the right, SBL... Right, right, right. It's like you have a plan. There's a reason why you want to talk to this person, right? right. And and they're, they're a source of knowledge. And that doesn't mean you have to, you're going to agree with everything. But the idea is you can... I have something to learn. And there's a lot of scholars here who have specialized. How can I optimize my learning? That's it's really selfish in a way, you know. I mean, but, it, but well, I'm also thinking I'm also want to um, be the best teacher I can be. You know what I mean? So th- there's multiple things going on there. The other thing is, is this: you got, you know, you you have scholars that have already paved the way. Okay, so for instance, E.P. Sanders is not going to agree with us when it comes to the notion that Gentiles should be keeping Torah. However, he paved the way with the, with the new perspective on Paul to move into that realm of theology. Mark Nanos, who is not a believer, has uh, taken that, and he's also expanded on that. And so he's going to say, well, Paul was never teaching against Torah. And so when you're talking to people, if you get into those kind of conversations, there's already things that you can say, like, well, I, you know, I take a, a significantly more um, favorable view towards the new perspective on Paul, and I tend to follow Nanos on, on uh, Paul's uh, uh, view of the Torah. I've, I'm squarely centered now. Everybody knows exactly you know, where I'm coming from at the ETS and SBL. And so from there, you can say, they're going to say something like, well, I, you know, I disagree with Nanos's, uh, you know, blah, blah. So you don't have to have these in-depth conversations sometimes, especially in actually where it really comes to a head, where these conversations really come to a head is in the messianic section. And the reason why is because the guys heading up the messianic section are from the uh, UMJC. They don't believe uh, Gentiles should be keeping Torah. They believe that the Jews keep it not because it's a commandment, but because it's an ethnic identity marker. And so they're going to push against us and say Gentiles shouldn't be keeping the Torah. So really the fireworks really go off on Torah observance for Christians in the messianic uh, and I don't even go to it. I don't. I I really dislike going to the messianic uh, section. Now, a lot of people would assume that that's where we would be. Oh, there, there's a messianic section. You should go to that. I I really dislike it. Like so much so that I avoid the messianic section. I I think it's yeah. It's I think I, it's I worthless. Honestly, I think the d- discussions are not great. Um, they're okay. they're in a rut. Yeah, absolutely. 
And and but here's just, the thing is they haven't been welcoming to your dad presenting like at no, ETS. The so uh, the John 17 Project says, Caleb, what changed your mind about going back to the SBL? Uh, the team is going. <laughs> I pushed against it. I said I didn't think we should go, and the rest of the team said they thought we should, and so I was outvoted, and a uh, plane ticket was bought for me. Great. Let's. I mean, I'm fine with that. That's, you know, if we're going to go and look, here's the thing about the SBL. It's extremely liberal. I don't like the direction it's going. I am put off by all of their LGBTQ plus whatever. I think that uh, the the scholarship in in a lot of the realms is extremely liberal and worthless because it's liberal. But with that said, um, and quite frankly, I don't know if it's worth the money. That's my personal opinion. Now, with that said, since uh, since the team is going, and since uh, I mean, honestly, I I'm not paying any out of any money out of my pocket to go to SBL um, because that's because the team always has right. Toro Resources always has always uh, been gracious enough to pay for us to go, and because of that, I will always be able to find something to go to and and uh, spend my time doing that I think is worthwhile, whether it's watching papers by scholars that I know, or being in a specific section like the, you know, like the Pauline studies section, or simply being in the book display and having conversations with scholars. All of those things are worthwhile. And I don't know if I would say it's worth the money per se, since we go to the ETS, but you know, some of those conversations, it used to be the other way around. I used to like the SBL more than I like the ETS. And uh, that's flipped now, but you know what? It could flip again. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see this year. Okay. Let's move on. Let's see here. Rob wanted to do Paul. Paul wrote in and he said this. Please help me with the works statement. What is one to do with Romans 2.6? And I know there is another thought roughly says... I wait, and I know there is another that roughly says I am bringing my reward for those who have kept or have done works slash commands. Okay, let's go to Romans two six, if I can find it here. Oh, here it is. Awesome. Uh, so let's start back in what in four, or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourselves on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. He will give eternal life. You want to go? Go for it, Rob. Yeah, so I think Romans 2.6 is a citation from the Tanakh. Right, he gives according to his deeds. So if you just get a study Bible, you can look at it. It'll give you probably five or six verses from the Tanakh that that Paul is basically summarizing. And I think, in my view, the context is just clearly saying God is just. Right, that God is just. And so, if in the larger context, he's telling at the beginning of Romans too. He's like, you got to, you know, you who are judging, but you're doing the same thing that you're condemning other people for, do you think you're going to escape the judgment of God? Like that's verse three. Um, so the idea is he's a, he's just using this. He could use many scriptures to make this point, but he's just using it as a reminder. Look, it's written. He doesn't say literally it's written, but he, he cites it saying, look, it is part of our, biblical heritage of knowledge of God is that he is just and he is perfectly and precisely just. And that should, that's a sobering thought for believers, right? I mean, and it, it should instill the fear of God, right? There should be like a, wow, you know, I need to look in the mirror. Like, am I, am I a hypocrite? Am I, um, Am I condemning people and doing the same thing? Like that kind of thing is what a believer cares about. It's like, wow, I don't want to be a hypocrite because I believe God is just. And um, that is part of how God shapes our 
minds, as we're renewing our minds, is to integrate a, a fear of God um, element, you know, to how we think about ourselves, how we look at our behavior, how we reflect on our our treatment of others and our life. And the principle or the governing fact that God is just, yes, he's he's also merciful, he's gracious, he, right? Uh, uh, I think that's what Paul's pointing out there. I, no, that no one can escape God's justice. And so you're either, and back to Romans 1, he says twice, he says, something is revealed from heaven. Well, in, in the gospel is revealed, right? God's righteousness, but also his wrath is revealed from heaven against those who hate him. I'm paraphrasing. But the idea is like, there's no... It's like, I mean, the picture is the Exodus or the Pesach, right? God's wrath is coming down on all of Egypt, even over where the Israelites are. But the Israelites have have been marked so that the that they're protected from that wrath, right? It says, so the mashkit will not enter. They'll be protected. But that's the scenario. It's like you're either... In a how you're in a protected space from God's wrath, or you're going to receive God's wrath, right? It's it's there's no third option. in in the big picture, I I I think I'm not sure if I'm getting at what Paul's question was. I Paul the Paul the the right. email or not Paul? I think <laughs> yeah, Paul. that well, I think that there is an air of in Paul's question. I could be wrong about this, but I think there's an air of what do we do with the idea of that a person will be judged according to their works? Aren't we saved by faith? I think that that's oh, where we're getting oh, where gotcha. we're coming from. And for me, I I think that just there's overcorrection in many areas, right? So I everyone knows that I fully believe in justification by faith alone. God is the one who draws us, right? It is not of, of me, uh, but God is the one who has drawn me to him, okay? With that said, I think that the overcorrection is that works don't matter. And James, you know, uh, for school I have been, we are required to read, we got to choose a book, but I chose James. I've been reading James now once a day, and I have to read it for 30 days, right? So I read James every day 30, for 30 days. And man, he hits home the, the idea of, of faith and works. And one of the things that I thought of the other day as I was reading James is the notion that if I tell you, hey, there is a bear, there is a grizzly bear on the other side of the door, don't go through the door, you'll die. Now you can say, oh, okay, yeah, yeah I believe you. But if you walk through the door, then what happens? Your works show that you didn't really believe. So your works are what show, he, he says, in James, he says, show me your, your faith without works, and I'll show you my works by, or I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, the proof that you have faith that there's a bear on the other side of the door is you don't walk through the door. And that's, I, I think that's, you know, he gets to that a lot in, in the entire book of James. And I think that even in uh, Matthew 5, 17 and following, right, the greatest, you know, whoever teaches and, and, and keeps and teaches these commandments uh, will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So, so there is an idea of great and least in the kingdom of heaven. There is an idea that our works, just because we're, we are drawn by God and we are saved because of his grace and because of what he has done and that it's not because of us that we are saved, doesn't mean that works don't matter. There is still, there is still a level of your works do matter. You will be judged according to what you do and the faith that you show through your works. Now, that doesn't mean that you are justified by your works, but it means that, that works do matter. That's what I would I say. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I like it. Um, and what's wonderful about God's provision for in the scriptures, in the canon, is we have multiple voices, like Caleb brings up James. Another one that comes to mind using different language is John the Baptist. He says, bear fruit, meat of repentance. What that means is, bear fruit means do things, like behave in the world in a way that is consistent with your repentance from your old day, your old way of doing things. 
Right. And don't think to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father, because right. that's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. Produce so, fruit that is meat, meaning that that shows, and he's using the, the axe at the tree model. It's, we talked about this on Shabbat with Genesis 1, is the tree whose bears fruit that seed is in itself. That is the the idea of a good deed or keeping of a commandment has the seed of of that within itself, you know, that, that it's a continual, it's a trajectory of continual behavior into the future of pleasing God rather than the branches that are lopped off because they are unfruitful. Another way back to, you mentioned Matthew in the same place in the Sermon on the Mount, Yeshua puts it this way. He says, you are like a light, right? You are light in the world and no one lights a, a lamp and hides it. No, you put it up. So it gives light to everyone else. So, so it should be that when people see your behavior, they see your obedience. They're not like, Oh, look how great he is. They're, they're glorifying God. So my argument would be that, that when someone is like doing what John the Baptist says, they're bearing fruit, meat of repentance, that people are going to see that and they're going to go, wow, I knew that person before, right? I, I knew that person's old behavior. I see their behavior now. Right. And I can see that they're giving glory to God for this good change in their life. And that's like light in the world. That's light. They're not like going, oh, and that's why Paul makes it, or many times he talks about people who are boasting in their identity. Oh, I'm a Jew. You're a Gentile. Sorry. I, I'm allowed to interpret the Bible. You're not, you know, because of bloodline superiority. Like John the Baptist, he's like, dude, you're the first one the ax is going to take down. You know, right. <laughs> like, like, like when, when Yeshua says that they're going to glorify your father by seeing what you're doing, it's not a boasting in the person themselves it is a glory a genuine father that father is genuinely getting the glory because it's because other people are seeing a life transformed and it's yeah. and it is uh and it's a spirit regeneration a, a spirit regenerated heart that is pointing to yeshua pointing to god's grace pointing to his forgiveness and encouraging others about that message Kristen says, quick question, is keeping the Torah part of our good works? Asking because it seems like it to me, but willing to be corrected. Absolutely. Torah is, uh, I believe that God says, be holy for I am holy. He shows you how that is in the Torah. The Torah, mm -hmm. keeping the Torah is conforming to who Christ is, which means that it is the way of sanctification. We are sanctified through the commands of Torah. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, do, I do, think do, people, do. if... If people are thinking, oh, there's some sort of alternative spirituality, like 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 one way of viewing it is like, you know, Christianity is just like the recognition that like if they take it, well, God tried one way, he gave them the law, but they failed. Therefore, God like went back to the drawing board and he's like, okay, I'm going to create and a that new- That didn't work. Let's try something new, else. Yeah. A, a new alternative spirituality. Okay. So forget, forget everything that I'm going to try something new where people kind of can just- have this moral conscience and each person kind of has their own way of being religious, independent of the revealed word of God from the Moshe on that's it's that mentality that has allowed this woke, like woke Christianity where you have LGBTQRSTUV. <laughs> um, it's okay to, to groom children, you know, with, with uh, trans people reading Bible stories or, you know, and it's, uh, I saw, I don't know if you and I were talking about this the other day, but I saw a meme someone had, it was like from a, like a real liberal quote church that had the pride flag. And it said, we love God and love our neighbors, right? Everybody welcome, all affirming. And it's like, what they've done is they've taken two covenantal, the covenantal priorities of hermeneutics for the all of the Bible that Yeshua says are the foundation, the Shema from Deuteronomy, love your neighbors yourself, which are the most boiled down, concise nuggets at the very root of the tree. And they've hijacked them away from the covenantal context and made love mean something independent of con uh, covenantal context. And man, it's like 
pref it's like whatever you whatever you say about yourself i will show you love by affirming your every choice you make right and and that true love that the love of jesus means we just affirm everybody's tr own truth and we don't judge anybody and what fruit is that that that's that's awful right there's no truth of god being conveyed there's no direction and clarity of what it is of, of the blessing of the Abrahamic covenant, what the, what it's rooted in God's grace and that what its ultimate um, fulfillment is it, it's just been divorced from covenant. And yet they're using love in this way to act like they're teaching what Jesus teaches. And it's, it's horrifying. Okay. Let's uh, let's move. I want to move to something else. Let's tick some people off. <laughs> every time we talk about this, and we do talk about it often, at least a couple times a year. Every time we talk about this, we the the emails fly. So get ready, people. Get All your right. keyboards ready. Several people have asked, "What does Caleb mean when he says that he would celebrate Easter?" Okay. I will make this quick and easy. So this is, I don't know, four or five shows ago, I made a passing comment about Easter. And the emails already started flooding in on what in the world did I mean by that? Well, <clears throat> for those who may not know, I I don't celebrate, I, I tend to uh, try to, well, I shouldn't say that. I celebrate the biblical festivals, okay? So that's that's the core of what I believe. Now, I have no problem celebrating things like Thanksgiving, Purim, Hanukkah, 4th of July. Uh, so there are other festivals that I certainly will partake in that are not, you know, commanded in the Bible. But the, the core of our uh, seasons are the five main biblical festivals, seven if you want to count them that way. Um, I, I personally don't believe that Easter was uh, came out of a pagan holiday, Eshtar, towards some uh, fertility goddess. I, I, I just don't see that historically. I, I don't think that there's any evidence of that. And I'm willing to see the evidence of that. But just because a name sounds one way or because you have another festival around that time, okay, that doesn't mean anything. We can, we can track the progression of Christianity and the Quattrodeciman uh, debates and whether or not they should celebrate the uh, resurrection of the Lord or whether or not they should celebrate with the Jews on the 14th of Nisan and the, and the Last Supper. Um, there's debate whether, by the time you get into the fourth century, there's already debate whether or not John's uh, calculations are correct and uh, people should be celebrating, uh, you know, whether or not John is correct or whether or not the synoptics are correct, and um, whether or not you should actually pitted against each other. Yeah, by that. That's what they believe. Yeah, they believe that yeah. they're pitted against each other by the fourth century, and uh, so they're they're trying to work this out. And to do that, what they do is they center the worship of of Christ on the on what they call Resurrection Sunday, which is the closest Sunday to Nisan fourteen. And so throughout the world. Christianity starts celebrating the Pascha, that is the Passover, the Pascha, on the Sunday. Now, certainly this is not correct. I don't agree with this, this uh, church doctrine that we should celebrate. Uh, now, should we celebrate the resurrection? Absolutely, 100%. I, in fact, I think that that's what Christ tells us to do when he says, do this in remembrance of me. Okay, but I think that we need to be celebrating on the 14th of Nisan, and I think that we should celebrate the, the resurrection uh, two days later on the 16th, so on and so forth, okay? So, with all of that said, what about Easter? Easter is simply the Germanic name of the month that was attached to the Pascha. It's only in one, two regions of the world, Germany and America. Outside of that, it's going to be called Pascha, and there, it would be like if we called it April, it's, it has nothing to do with Eshtar the God. There is a great uh, paper by my father on TorahResource.com where he talks, where he walks through this argument. There's no evidence whatsoever that uh, the name Easter came to be attached to the Pascha because of Eshtar. Now, people are going to instantaneously say, well, what about the Easter bunny and the Easter eggs? Certainly these are, are pagan. 
There is no evidence that there was, at least not that I've found, I'm willing to see it, um, but there is no historical evidence that there was a, uh, a festival to Eshtar where uh, bunnies and eggs were used in celebration. And that all of a sudden the Christians said, hey, we really like this festival. Let's just celebrate it during Passover. There is absolutely no evidence of that whatsoever. There are arguments that uh, maybe possibly uh, something was was taken from paganism. However, uh, the the evidence is so sparse and there's really no no good evidence that there was something that they took it from. So once again, I'm willing to see that evidence, but a YouTube post by 119 Ministries or something like that on Facebook or, or is not what was evidence. The, the two Babylons guy in the Yeah, 1800s. exactly. I mean, you're going to have to do better than than those kind of references uh to to sway an argument. Uh there I would is just, can, Oh, go ahead, finish. Uh, the last thing I'll say on this is there is now I will say I do not let my children do Easter egg hunts, okay? However, I think that there has been arguments recently that the church believed that uh, new life was what the cross brought, and they they uh, use iconography of things like eggs and bunnies that uh, represented. Now, this may have came; the representation may have come from paganism, but in the ancient world, these things represented new life, which was eggs and bunnies. Now, whether or not the church got that from paganism or not. I can't say, but I don't think that they're taking pagan customs and bringing them into uh, the celebration of Easter. Go ahead, Rob. Um, I I would just probably suggest that you, well, let me say it this way. You've already said it. That it's not like saying Easter or Christmas are commanded, right? That That's one of the core differentiations here is that these are not mitzvot right to to celebrate easter or christian or Christ, uh i almost said christianity christmas and what i appreciate what i believe you're saying and i agree with where i think we agree is is that and i would say the same for easter and for christmas i don't believe that they were the same thing as what you see archaeologically where they had a pagan temple they destroyed the pagan temple and built a church on top of it, right? Right. And so you're like, oh, well, all you did was repurpose the the bricks, you know, and you just reshaped it and put it stamped a different. And that now we know that happens, like the the Hagia Sophia or whatever in Istanbul. It was like, sure. a, I think it was maybe a pagan temple, then a church, then a mosque, or something, you know. And you could say, oh, that's all they're doing is there, and and that's the accusation made by the a lot of the liberal Jewish scholars from the, you know, eight or 19th and 20th centuries was like, oh, well, we know that Moses didn't really write the Torah. We know it was edited together in, in probably Babylonian captivity from other sources. And they basically invented, the Jews invented a religion and they took Babylonian things like Shapatu in Babylon and made it Shabbat. They took the names of the months, they took all these things and they kind of just made their own religion. And so that's a popular thing. There's still people at like, for example, the SBL, that that's their worldview, like that it's right. an invented religion. Um, I, I think when it comes to Easter and Christmas, that, and even the day on Christmas is different according to the different uh, traditions. Churches. That yeah. they are calculated efforts based on a lore a, yeah, a midrashic well there's an engagement to the jewish calendar right and a, a kind of midrash associated with each in other words they're reasoned and and they you know it's it, it was at crucial times in history some council said this is what we're going to do and enough people who were had no background whatsoever just started doing these practices and they and they got like snowball effect um, but what I, what I hear Caleb saying is that, that Caleb can see that whole process, right? right? It's not like Caleb is saying, oh, everybody needs to celebrate Easter. And, um, I think what I'm hearing you say is you're, you're not buying this pagan orange and pe orange, <laughs> pagan oranges, avoid the pagan oranges, yes. Yes, of the course. pagan origin story right. that you hear in Hebrew roots or messianic circles that to to point at and mock and laugh at Christians. 
And, and um, on, that's on what top, I'm hearing. On top of that, I, I guess I, where my original comment came from is when my in-laws and, you know, I, I have extended family that are Christians, they uh, come together every Easter for an Easter brunch after they go to church. They, uh, you know, they pray beforehand. Uh, it's a time to celebrate the res- resurrection of Christ. We are always invited to that. Oftentimes, it falls in the middle of Passover. And when that happens, we're not able to eat leaven. And they actually will uh, accommodate the menu for us so that we can come. No ham on the table kind of a thing. And I, I have no problem going to that because I believe that they are celebrating, whether they know it or not, a form of the Passover. It's they're not reorient- hostile to the word of God, right? No, not at all. And these aren't these aren't Mormons. These are canon, right? They believe in the canon, right? And the point is... Okay, let me ask you this. If Mormons invited you... <laughs> okay, here, here's something in our neighborhood, and I've never done, but usually pretty much every year, we get ladies knocking on the door or a pamphlet left in our door of the Jehovah's Witnesses who are celebrating the 14th of Nisan I would never go to that. You know what I mean? I would never go to that. Or if the Mormons were saying, oh, you know, come to our Easter celebration. And, and it's like, well, I'd never go to that, you know? Right. I, I agree with so, you. I completely agree So there agree are constraints you. here. It's not oh, like, absolutely. oh, hey. <laughs> but, but just because somebody calls it Easter instead of Pascha, Right. What are they celebrating? They're celebrating the exact same thing that I am, the resurrection of Christ. They're doing it at the right time during Passover. That's right. They're reading the Bible as they're doing it and and seeing Christ say, do this in remembrance of me. Show me the pagan origin of that. Show me where the church said, hey, we're just going to rip off Eshtar. I, it, I, I, I just don't buy it. And so I have no problem going to those, to those, uh, those Easter, uh, brunches. I, and I am edified by them. As a matter of fact, we have evidence on the other side. If I could just interject a footnote, we have evidence of the problem in like the second and third century, uh, where Christians were trying to educate their children, their disputes about whether, like, let's say, you know, you're a well-to-do Christian Roman or something. And you were in a relatively safe place. You weren't being persecuted and you wanted to, you wanted your child to learn Latin. They would like, they wouldn't allow, they would started having to protect. It's like this homeschool movement. It's like, wait a minute. I don't want literature of idol of idolatry being taught to my kids. Right. So they had to start being really protective of, of, of like people who are going to teach Latin to your kids or Greek to your kids, they had to pass a sniff test, right? They they couldn't be peddling. So there was a a protective against idolatry creeping in. There was a suspicion of paganism creeping in to these church communities. So um, that's the dynamic, you know, there's a lot, a lot to it when we look at all the dynamics. Right. Actually, that's one of the big uh, one of the big arguments from. There's a lady who wrote a book on uh, the origins of Christmas. She argues that it has nothing to do with paganism whatsoever, and hers is kind of like the book. You know, it's one of those books that costs like 150 bucks for like a hundred page book or something. You know, like from one of these academics. Anyway, um, I got a hold of it, and one of her main arguments is the the Christians were actually fighting against bringing any kind of paganism into their worship. The notion that that they're repurposing pagan holidays is is asinine, and I think she makes a pretty decent argument for it. Now, I'm not as apt to uh, sit down with the family around the Christmas tree as I am to sit down at a Easter uh, table and celebrate the resurrection of Christ. However, I think that you know I think that people will see the progression of Rob and my uh, understanding of the his- historical value of lo- looking at the historical evidence for both Easter and Christmas throughout our show. So 10 years ago I think that you would have heard me in particularly say no 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 Christmas is pagan. And now I'm at a place where I'm saying uh you know I if there is paganism in it we need more evidence. And uh you know there there needs to be more work done on on that side. And I think that, that that has really kind of shocked 
a lot of people uh, because let's be honest in the early 2000 in the late in the 90s and the early 2000s this is how a lot of the Hebrew roots and even the messianic movement was built was by looking at by saying hey look what are you doing Christmas is pagan don't celebrate that it's all pagan and why would the church be celebrating something pagan so anyway all right I know that we're early I know that we're getting off early but I'm going to cut it there. We're going to come back next week. We do have more to talk about next week. Keep sending in uh, voicemails you can, and emails. C-H-E-G-G at Torresource.com. You can also call our comment line, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. And, of course, as always, don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. It really does help us. All right. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, you know why. Because Messiah matters. <laughs>